I discovered that Anna hates <clears throat> the song All About That Bass last night. I'm not surprised. Which I am also not surprised. That song's not that great. It doesn't seem like she would like it either. I don't hate it, though. I mean, I kind of like the old doo-wop references thrown into it. I don't remember music. more than the chorus. I don't listen to that. What are you talking about? It's true. Actually, I, I don't even know who that's by. I have no idea. It's by Megan Trainer. I don't and know. The only what reason that I know that is because of YouTube. And when I found it, I think it had over a hundred million views. And I'm thinking to myself, how do I not know about this? And then I think to myself, I'm kind of happy that I don't know about this. I've somehow insulated myself from popular culture well enough that I don't have to yeah, know about this. Old man. Yeah, and now all the Megan Trainer fans, the the Megan Train is going to be after us. Yeah. Well, the real fans know that the rhythm is the bass and the bass is the treble. That's the real song involving bass and treble. There you go. Wait, who is that? Get out of my house. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. It's Regulators, Warren G and Nate Dog. Oh, okay. Rest in peace, Rest Nate Dog. Rest in peace, Nate Dog. Poor 40. What do you... <laughs> oh, why? I'm sorry, Martin. I'm sorry I'm not good enough at, at rap. Why are you talking? You know the and name of Megan Trainer, but you don't know about Regulators. The Regulators aren't plastered all over the YouTube homepage. No, I'm it's sorry, just a man. song. It's just a good song. Look, I've it's tried just... to go back into old school rap. I got as far as yeah, Biggie you tried. Smalls. The fact that you didn't succeed is telling. I got as far as Biggie Smalls and Nas. What about Big Daddy Kane? And uh, Tupac. Nope, not Big Daddy Kane. Well, maybe you have to educate me. I don't know. We'll drive in your car sometime. It's a lost cause. Whenever we drive in my car, we just listen to mid two thousands emo music or whatever. It's the lost cause. <laughs> anyway, um, we're not talking about this book, but I just thought that. Oh wait, yeah. What's that doing there? This was this was oh, fitting. It's got the title. Yeah, I got you. the title. Marcus Aurelius. I see what we're doing here. Meditations, because Fair. this week we're talking about meditation, and I got to tell you, this was one of the hardest topics for me to ever research ever because. There's a zillion things about it, and I just want to put up front here that I am a meditation noob, and I'm probably going to be wrong about a lot of this, um, but I want to talk about it. Okay. And I want to talk about it because I know that meditation at its core is, at, at least in part, a way to train your brain to be able to focus better. That's like the practical side of it, or at least one of the practical sides of it, and I find that I go through periods of my life where I will wake up and basically start the day with very little focus, very little ability to actually keep myself on one task and very little ability to resist the call of other things. So to me, meditation seems like a way to get over that or a way to strengthen my brain against that. Fair. I don't know. Maybe you do more of it. I feel like you're the practitioner in this one. I'm more like the scholar. I just have a bunch of research that I did. Yeah, I didn't research meditation. That's I just, fine. I just meditate. I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions about how and why you meditate then. Okay. And we'll talk about some stuff. But first, I want to talk about the most hardcore form of meditation ever. I came across this I'm in my ready. research. And I got to say, I think if people out there at home want to start meditating, this is how you do it. If you don't do it this way, you're actually not legit enough. Here we go. So this is called the the Kai Hyogo, or okay. the Kai Hogyo, I think it's called. I don't know what it is. It it translates to circling the mountain, and it's a practice that is done by the Tendai Buddhist monks in Japan. Okay. Essentially, um, they commit to something called, let's see here, what is it called here? Called the Senichi Kai Hogyo, which takes seven years, 
and each year for seven years, uh, you will walk many, many miles. So the first year, you walk 30 kilometers per day, which is 18 and a half miles for 100 days. And okay. you do that each year for three years. And this is like a walking meditation, and it's all about practicing selflessness and achieving enlightenment That's cool. in the current life. And then years four and five, you walk 30 kilometers per day, but for 200 days. In year six, you walk 60 kilometers per day, which is 37 miles for 100 days. And then in year seven, you finally walk 84 kilometers, which is 52 miles per day for 100 days, followed by 30 kilometers per day for another 100 days. That's cool. So it's like a thousand days. I mean, if you just, don't come out of that life changed and yeah. with a different perspective, then I have no idea how you did that. There you go. You have to come out a different person. So our beginner's guide to meditation is you do that. Dedicate the next seven seven Dedi- years of your yes, life to walking. Yeah, that's cool. I actually don't don't recommend that's that. That's cool. That's pretty um, intense, but that's cool. Yeah, apparently, if you do this, you also take a vow of celibacy for life and also sobriety, which is not drinking, right? I think. Or basically not like using any mind-altering substances huh. other than the delusion that comes with walking a marathon every day. I mean, if you want to reach whatever they're reaching. Yeah. Apparently 46 do people it. have done it since 1885. And I don't think they do this now, but in the past centuries, um, you could back out before 100 days were up. But after you cross the 101st day for the next 900 days, you had to complete it or take your own life. Oh. So it's real legit. And I mean, real, I don't know if it legit's the word, it real hardcore, I'll put it that way. Like, you better commit serious to this. Stuff. Yeah. It's uh, like do or die, pretty much. I'm um, not going to recommend that then. I was kidding. The I'm, Kai Hogyo is probably not my recommended I'm going to go ahead and say that while. <laughs> I like the idea of really intense walking meditation, but I would like it for like a single day or like yeah. one of those like 30-day hikes across giant mountain trails. That would be really cool. And, and like uh, Camino de Santiago in Spain and like just the big long hikes. That would be the similar thing that I would maybe actually do. Is Camino del Santiago the the one on the cliffs? I don't have any idea. Tara was telling me about it. Oh, she was telling you about it. Did she, she do it? she did it, yeah. I'm um, guessing like, it's probably you like not hike the for like thing. a month or something, and you're, you're like going on this thing, and you stay at specific hostels designed for people doing that. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, I want to cool. do that. Lots of things like this. see. That's like that's like an easier equivalent of some really intense yeah. walking meditation. Well, there's also one. I forget what it's called. It might be the Sierra Nevada, but it's I think it's Sierra something. Where you basically start from Mexico and you walk this trail all through California, up oh, through yeah. Oregon and Washington. Yeah, I don't know to the Canada. name, but we have a couple of those things. And that's like a in the three United or States. four month journey. And it's like, yeah, you, so. you do this for a while and it's really cool. Yeah. And I mean, I think that does days? serve to sure highlight um, the fact that meditation is not just a practice of sitting in a lotus position with your eyes closed and putting your fingers in circles. Like, it can be really anything that serves the specific purpose. Um, and I, I pulled a definition from Wikipedia. I'm sure that a zillion people out there would disagree with this definition, but I thought it was pretty good. So meditation refers to a family of self-regulation practices that focus on training attention and awareness in order to bring mental processes under greater, greater voluntary control and thereby foster general mental mental well-being and development or specific um 
and development of specific capabilities such as calm, clarity, and concentration. So that is what I picture meditation as. It's a very goal-oriented thing for me. But okay. maybe you don't. So, I mean, tell me why you meditate. Um, because it makes me happy. That was a little simpler. That <laughs> was a lot simpler. I don't need your science. Okay. You know, it, it, it makes it, one, I I like being mindful and pre- and it keeps me back in the present because mm-hmm. I have a very specific tendency to overwhelm myself with everything all the time. And then I'll like pile on the next 30 problems I'm supposed to solve, feel like I don't have any idea where to start and then just waste a bunch of time. But when I can meditate, I can, it's easier to bring me back to the present and just say, actually, the only thing I'm doing right now is meditating. And you know what? That was all unrealistic. Maybe I'll do half of one of those things today and then Mm -hmm. I'll actually accomplish it. Like it helps me shut down the overwhelming amount of things that I think about on a daily basis. Okay. But in addition to that, it is very relaxing muscularly. Mm. Like if my neck or back are in pain, then meditating can help because uh, the positions I meditate in, and, and you don't have to meditate in a specific position. You don't have to do like Seiza um, or Half Lotus or Full Lotus or Burmese or any of these things. You what are any of those things? They're all things. I can't. I are they all like sitting I, cross-legged, basically? Seiza is on your knees, the way normal oh, sitting. So, in like, like all Japan. the positions I can't sit in, basically. Those are the ones I would sit in. Yeah. Okay. Well, Burmese might be easier for you, but it's hard for me to describe. That they're very visual things. Full lotus is where you sit cross-legged and then you both pull your, feet, your, your feet up on, on your, your legs, right? Yeah, both both feet are like on the other one. But with half lotus, it's just one, and then the other foot's under the other leg. That's so the what one is that it I where do. both of them are under noob lotus? I don't have any idea what that would be called. Regular cross-legged That's what I sit sitting. in, and it's still painful. Um, so I, I don't meditate like that. But the reason I like the other ones is because when I'm sitting either seiza or half lotus, uh, half lotus on my zafu and, and seiza either just on the floor or on this cool little meditation bench I got for mm-hmm. – if my knees are sore or something, and actually that would be pretty useful for people who can't find themselves sitting comfortably like that because it's a little piece of wood. You fold it out, and then you're sitting on the bench, and and you're sitting on your knees, but your knees are on the floor, and you're still on the bench. So you're not sitting on your feet. So you're – like your calves and your feet are kind of under the bench and then? Yeah. And then you're sitting on And the you're bench. sitting on the bench just okay. slightly above it. That way you're not like crushing your feet if you're un- if you're uncomfortable that and your think... knees aren't bent as much. Yeah. I think if I was going to do says I would have to do that. But the reason I sit in these positions is because – and part of the reason they are the way they are, half lotus and full lotus on the Zafu meditation cushion, is because you sit in a way that your body's really stable. Okay. Where you don't really have to try to sit up straight anymore. Like hmm. when you sit on – so you've got the cushion and then you've got your knees touching the floor. You create like a tripod where you're balanced and you can naturally keep your spine up. The point is that it's – if it was muscular work the whole time, it would be terribly hard to meditate sitting like that for hours and hours. Maybe I'm doing it wrong because when I sit cross-legged, it is – muscularly like reg- tiring. regular cross regular cross like I don't think I, that that's the same if I don't have my back wise. up against something then I feel like I have to hold myself up well yeah I, I don't think that that's uh, regular cross-legged is as supportive as like if you were sitting on a meditation cushion with your oh, knees okay. touching the ground because then you've got the three points mm-hmm. of like balance and it's just it's comfortable gotcha. but if you can't do something like that 
then what you should take from that is sit in a position where you're stable and don't have to work very hard because it's really going to be hard to meditate if you're like, oh, I, I got to keep meditating, but I'm in, I'm in terrible pain right now, but I said I'd meditate for 10 minutes. And this is the least calm thing I've ever done. It's, it, that's not going to help at all. But I relax my muscles that way and I relax my mind that way and kind of can pull back from all the overwhelming thoughts. Okay. And I find that in general for me, living slowly makes me happier. If I'm in a hurry, if I'm like I've got to get all these things done or I've got to get this done really fast, I'm stressed and then I'm very unhappy and then I overwhelm myself and then I don't get as much done as I want because I'm overwhelmed. And then I become more unhappy and then it just keeps getting worse and worse. Mm. But if I can pull back from that and say, actually, the problem isn't that I can't meet these expectations. It's that I'm putting way too many on myself and meditating and saying, the only thing I'm doing right now is just kind of chilling and focusing on my breath and relaxing. And you can't – it's hard to fail at this and then I can come back out of that calmer ready to look at the problems logically. Okay. So take me through the mental process that you go through. I'm guessing you get your cushion or you get your um, Seiza bench. Um, So I meditate directly after I shower because I like to feel clean. Mm -hmm. So I am more calm when I feel clean. That's – I don't like to – I wouldn't – I don't know. I have a little meditation corner where I've got my little Zabuton. It's just a – it's just a cushion that goes under the meditation cushion that way your knees aren't hitting the hard floor. And then, then the cushion. So I get out of the shower. I put on these uh, meditation pants I have. They're just Thai fisherman pants, and I wear them because they're comfortable to meditate in. Jeans would be constricting. And I did learn that this morning. That would that like I can barely move. I wouldn't be able to do it in these jeans right now. Yeah, but they're very comfortable, and you have to do flexible things to sit half lotus or mm-hmm. anything on the cushion. So I, I have those. And uh, sometimes I play a little bit of my shakuhachi just to kind of just to kind of relax. Just and that's to like a be a super hipster zen dude. How do you it's describe a, that to people that don't? It's know a Japanese that word. bamboo flute. Okay, but it's not like that's bringing me any sort of magical enlightenment. It's just enlightenment. It's just that I like music, and that's kind of about just hearing the tones and focusing on the tones. And so again, it just goes back to it makes you happy, so you do it. Yeah, it's just. I want to be calm and I want to be observant of things around me and then the things I think and then just kind of focus on fewer things. Mm -hmm. But anything that makes it not a hurry. Okay. Because being in a hurry all the time is terrible and I think that that's a big habit in in this country especially. But, you know, ever since man invented the reliable clock – and and we've decided pretty that yeah, and the thing is we didn't always have that mm-hmm. but now we're kind of all artificially in a hurry from things we set for ourselves unhappy because of things we set for ourselves that's actually something that blows my mind when i think about it that we didn't have clocks before the development of reliable clocks it's not that we didn't have clocks it's that for most of human history people perceived time as a continuum and we naturally perceive time as regimented, it's as a bunch of segments. And it's very difficult for us to actually think of time as a continuum. So it just kind of blows my mind that um, people before the invention of clocks totally thought of time in a totally different way. Just as sometimes it weirds me out. Like I'll watch the cat cleaning herself. And I used to think, when is the cat done? 
cleaning herself. And then I realized like, oh, that is totally just a human thing to think that, oh, you've showered for the day, you've cleaned yourself for the day, and you will do it again tomorrow. The cat just cleans herself continuously. It is never done. Yeah. But that's fine. Well, yeah, see, that's the thing, because because Arwen in there is not saying, well, I've got to get all these things done today, so I better try to fit them all in before I go to sleep again. Yeah. And there's no separation. It doesn't matter. It's completely present-minded. Mm-hmm. And that that's why I like meditation because that in a hurry, constant looking at the clock, oh, God, I've set goals to get this done today even though it wouldn't make any difference if I did it tomorrow. And what's the difference anyway about any of these things? And then I'm stressed all the time. But meditation yeah. kind of kills that because you ha- it's slow by – you're doing nothing. Okay. We're not often doing nothing. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if I'm – I don't know. I, I want to keep doing this, but I wonder if I'm built for this kind of this kind of exercise. Because when you describe the whole getting out of that rushed mentality, being in the present, um, not being in a hurry, the first thing I thought of that brings me that is cooking. Oh well, you can mindfully do lots of things, and that's that's something worth talking about. Yeah, and I mean the way I don't even like mind. I'm, I mean, I'm focused on the vegetables when I'm chopping them and everything, but I have music on and I'm singing along with it and everything. But when I do it, I basically make this mental commitment that this is going to take as long as it takes, and if it's the last thing I do tonight, that's totally okay. Yeah, and it, I just I feel like when I do that, I get into it, I slip into a flow state, and I really enjoy it, even though it is work. And I feel like I might enjoy it because it's work. Whereas with meditation, it's very difficult for me because I know it is nothing. Well, maybe it's, it's more of like practice. mental work to yeah. learn to relax and focus on your breath. But like you can do tons of things mindfully. Walking meditation is, is similar. Mm-hmm. Getting lost, playing the instrument for a few hours. Uh, mindful Mindfulness and present-mindedness is really useful because any, you can do anything with it. Yeah. All you need to do is focus completely on what you're doing at the moment and really be in what you're doing rather than like if you're playing the guitar going, hmm, I think I need a new pair of socks. And also I'm supposed to go to the gr- – you're not really playing the guitar all the way. Yeah. You're not you're not into your activity. And we spend so much time thinking about what we're going to be doing five minutes from now that we're never actually in that part of the five minutes that we were thinking about. Yeah. Because as soon as we get to that five minutes, we're thinking about the next one and we just – assume we we're so good at hypothesizing the future and that's a really good skill for humans that we spend like all of our time doing it we're like in the future basically we're, we're trying to live in the future yeah and that doesn't work there's actually a really cool quote from alan watts that i found when i was researching this uh let's see if i can find it i honestly don't remember where i put it oh here it is meditation is the discovery that the point of life is always arrived at in the immediate moment so that just kind of speaks to what you were just saying, I think. Yeah. And there's um, in the Tao of Pooh, uh, the book that I have, uh, there's a quote in there that I'm going to paraphrase because I don't, I don't have it on hand. Mm-hmm. But it's more like talking about how it's interesting that um, human, mankind is the kind of thing that man will spend the entire drive. He'll, he'll be in a car thinking he's at the store going over his grocery list being completely ignorant of the driving process and therefore far more impatient while driving because they're thinking, I'm supposed to be at the store right now. What am I still doing in this car? Like, <laughs> But if they were just to say, I'm just driving to the store and however long it takes me to get there, I'm driving right now. You do bring this up in the car a lot. 
that's that's because the car is one of the most impatient, easy places <laughs> to not be mindful because it's annoying. I think it's probably the most and because you're trying to get to a destination that you make fun of me for is being in the hurry in the car. That's true. Which I feel like I'm not really in a hurry. I'm just really mad that there's all this traffic. Yeah, but if you there's didn't care how long it took there. you, you wouldn't have to be mad. It, it's just the circumstances. When we talked about you just how, observe like, them. I questioned myself and realized one of my fundamental traits is that I like momentum. Yeah. That's what makes me so angry with traffic. But one of the it's, fundamental things of the world is that you can't always have what you like. That's true. Well, I think that's another big philosophical difference between you and me is I fundamentally, even though I know at a surface level that I can't have everything I want, there's like this underneath fundamental belief that I can as long as I'm oh, smart enough about it. Well, that, that's what I like mean. There's always it's like, a way I can uncover to get what I want. That's how so, I'm overwhelmed. It's the expectations <laughs> we've put on our own environment and on ourselves. Yeah. But if you're really, really mindful about even even with driving, if you're just like, I'm just driving, stuff happens, look at this interesting life that I'm currently inhabiting, then you don't have to be mad driving because you're just, I don't know. I don't know what's happening as soon as I park the car. For all I know, I'm going to detour and go somewhere completely different. That's true. And those times are often pretty fun. But in a car, usually we are like, this is the quickest way to get to where we're going. Yeah. So therefore, we're really focused on where we're going. Whereas, mm-hmm. at least for me... So I'm more likely to lose the present-mindedness and get annoyed if I'm trying to drive somewhere to the store. And I'm, I really need the groceries, and I'm just like, I need to get there fast. But if I ride my bike to the store, it is very hard for me to be impatient because I'm just like, mm. I'm just riding my bike, and I will take however long I take. Because I know it will take longer, I'm more patient, Yeah, and then, and then I don't hate it. I think because we know cars are like the fastest way to get somewhere, we start off impatient. I think that's what it is because, because yeah, the bus like there's, isn't the same. There's almost – remember when I was telling you how Amazon Prime has actually trained my brain to want instant gratification so yeah. much that I often don't use Amazon Prime because I'll just go to the store and buy the thing? Yeah. I think cars also do that. And maybe there's a fundamental difference between walking and cars because when you're walking, you pretty much know that you're at your speed limit while you're walking. So there's this acceptance of the fact that this is how fast I can walk, so that is how fast I'm going to get to where I'm going. Whereas in a car, I know I could floor it and get to 150 so miles an easier hour. easier to accept it because you know theoretically you can't go that much faster. Yeah. But in a car, you're like, theoretically, if all these other people would just get out of my way, exactly, I would be there already. And you're like thinking about all the reasons you can't have what you want immediately. Don't it, they know I'm but in like, a hurry? But like if I'm on like the, the light rail, if I'm taking the light rail downtown, I'm not impatient because I'm like the light rail can't – it's going to go the speed it's going to go. There's yeah. not – and maybe that's it. You you think you can go faster, technically speaking. Well, that was Therefore, one thing you I, was, should. I was wondering about when we eventually get um, ubiquity of self-driving cars. A self-driving car is never going to go over the speed limit. Oh, that's it's a good point. It's always going to go the speed limit. It's going to act like a train, basically. It's going to act like public transit. So I'm wondering if there's going to be this fundamental shift in how we view traffic and, and commute times. Uh, when you no longer have control over how fast you're going and you're no longer the agent behind how you're getting to where you're going. That actually makes a lot of sense, and it may make driving places a lot more pleasant. I think it will. Because that's that's the thing. You you think you're the agent of, of whatever's going on, mm-hmm. so then you, th- you expect too much of yourself and say, well, since I'm in control, it should be as good as possible and not realistically what I'm actually just going to do. Yeah, when you're driving your own car, there's a lot of 
There's a lot of blame for how long it took for you to get somewhere. Yeah. Like these people were here, so there was so much traffic, and the stupid light turned red, and I didn't uh, get past it in time. But yeah, when you're in a self-driving car, it's just, it just is what it is. Yeah. Like when I'm in an Uber, I never think about the traffic. I mean, so maybe I'll think about it yeah. at a low level, like, oh, I'm getting into an Uber at 5 p.m. It's going to take a while but, to get But you're somewhere. not going to scream at your driver. <laughs> yeah, I'm just sitting in the back. I'm just, it's going to take as long as it takes. Go faster. What is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Can't your car just crush all these other cars? I did order, order Uber monster truck. Yeah. Come on. That would but, be yeah, cool it's, service, That's actually, actually an interesting thought. Self-driving cars may may help reduce the impatience of driving because I really think it is just we think – well, also because humans can't predict time well. So then yeah. we think, well, it should take me 15 minutes to get to the REI downtown as I did once I was going to a class. And then I mm-hmm. forgot that the traffic really changes things here in Denver yeah. unlike in Iowa. So the increase, it turned into like a 45-minute trip and I was like – Super mad the whole time because I was super late and I was like, I can't even go now because they've already started doing the stuff and they're in the middle of it. And eventually I was just like, well, that happened. I guess I'll go home. And then I stopped being mad. But while I thought I could still make it and it was possible for me to do it, I was just really stressed Mm -hmm. and like in a hurry because I thought I can still technically make it. It wasn't let's see if I can make it. It was I should be able to. Yeah. I wonder if that's why I was so mad when I learned that there was stuff stolen off my bike. Because maybe maybe there was some deep feeling of like I I could have prevented that somehow. I could have put the bike up in my apartment as inconvenient as it would have been. I could have kept it up there. Yeah, we put a lot of like blame and expectation. I don't know why it's easy to think that we're going to do everything perfectly and then like at least for me, it's way it's way easier and more intuitive to be forgiving of other people and say, well, I mean, what are you gonna do? You were you're exhausted. You haven't done all these things. But for me, I'm like, you're a failure. Yeah. And it's really easy to blame yourself. Mm-hmm. By the way, there's tea. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't really think about that. Pretty good tea I was as well. In the present. Oh well, this is. I mean, tea is present. Tea is very. Do you present. make tea when you meditate? I make tea after I meditate. You make it after. Okay. Do you make it in a pot like this too? Um, or do you make like a single glass? I usually do it in a single glass or in my glass teapot. Oh, yeah. I kind of want to get a glass one. I mean, I like this one. I think the only thing I don't like about this one is it doesn't hold very much for oh. two people. Mine only holds like two cups worth, but I got the glass one for photography purposes because I thought that oh. might be cool someday. Yeah. I haven't done anything with it. That but, could be cool. Especially yeah. if it was outside or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I, I, I have some ideas. Some rocks in the mountains. But – yeah, mindfulness is important, and that's what meditation is is for me. It relaxes my muscles, but and puts me in good posture for a while because I'm so effortlessly stable. But it also helps pull me back from that really natural modern day human thing where I'm like, yeah. I'm failing because I didn't do as much as I wanted yesterday out of these ten hobbies that I listed and ten goals and projects. So that means that today I have to do two days worth of stuff, right? Because I'm behind. That doesn't. Mm-hmm. You can only do one day's worth of stuff. That doesn't make any sense. And then if yeah. I do that for a week, I'm like, I'm a week behind. So today I've got to put 10 hours into <laughs> – I don't have any sorting photos or some nonsense. Yep. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I do the same thing. It pulls right? me back I to like the real world mm-hmm. better. Okay. So I think we could think of meditation as like an ogre. Like an ogre. It it's has got, layers. It's got a lot of layers. That's, yeah. Yeah. What I'm trying to say, people, is when you meditate, just picture Shrek. And now that I've said it, I don't think you're going to be able to not do that. Just couple fish? It, nope. It's um, 
Golden a, Memory Puar. Interesting. It's got a – oh, okay. There it is. That explains the kind of flavor that I'm experiencing. I do love how you just naturally call Lopsang Suchong couple fish. It's a couple fish. It tastes <laughs> like a couple fish. But no, it, no it's this, an ogre because it has layers. So at the very core layer, you have the – what was it? The, the Kai Hogyo where you spend seven years walking thousands of miles and basically commit your life to – selflessness and all that and then at the very out outer layer of it it's really just the process of living in the moment and focusing on what you're currently doing yeah that's it so i mean if, if you don't want to go sit on a zafu cushion if you don't want to go get a meditation app and go through guided meditation if you don't even want to sit down and close your eyes you could gain some of the benefits of meditation just by committing to focusing on the thing you're doing you and not letting your or if, yeah go for a bike ride i guess like the one practical thing is when you're doing something and you notice your attention drifting to something you need to do in the future or you notice your attention drifting to an anxiety you have or something like that just notice that and then bring it back to the thing you're doing yeah and i i, I put my phone on do not disturb mode for a lot of this stuff or mm-hmm. straight up turn it off and i'm just like it feels so peaceful because the phone is a ton of requirements and anxieties that are just constantly hounding you for things. But I think one of the most important things to remember and one of the things I like about the the present-minded, slow way of living kind of thing is it, it reminds me that, you know, someday when I am dead, I do not want my gravestone to say lived an efficient life. That is not yeah. that inspiring and efficiency is not what I should aim for as an overall life goal. Mm-hmm. Efficiency in certain projects maybe, but like my life doesn't need to be an efficient one. It should be one that I enjoy because that's probably the most reasonable thing to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose efficiency isn't the end goal. Yeah, you're not you're not gonna be like, this guy lived like eighty years and let me tell you how many widgets he made. He made the most widgets I have ever seen. A and lot he of did not eat, he did not sleep, he just made widgets. Widget man. Most efficient man of all time. <laughs> but like I doubt he was that thrilled. Well maybe. He sounds like he might have been pathologically attached to making widgets but still something like that <laughs> but efficiency is not is not the best way yeah to judge yourself yeah that makes sense even when you're productivity minded i mean a lot of people listening to this podcast are productivity minded but hopefully it's in service of some greater end goal yeah and if you're always trying to be efficient and your mind is always on that then there's never a present moment to enjoy yeah, and once you overwhelm yourself because you try to structure too many things, you'll actually end up doing fewer things mm-hmm. than you would do if you calmed down. I think that's actually something that our whole emphasis on you have to prepare for retirement does in our culture because it just puts the focus on the end of your life. And while I think planning for the future and being prepared for retirement is a very important thing, I mean, heck, I run a money podcast. If you only think about that, then the prime years of your life, you never really enjoy them, which is why I don't know how practical it is. But when I read the four hour work week and he talked about the concept of mini retirements where you just have breaks during your life from what you were doing that were short and then you go back to work and you kind of have a, you know, alternation between those two different states. That made a lot more sense to me than work for 30 years and then retire and then you're done and you can have leisure until you die. That's Which a good that point. itself doesn't make any sense to me because I think humans need to work. I think we're we're wired to be fulfilled by working. 
Well, not to mention that who knows what like my health will be like at that age. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd like to assume I will be healthy, but that seems dumb because what if something happens and I like can't can't walk or something happens that prevents me from doing all the fun things I want? And then I'm like, well, it's a good thing I didn't spend the last 70 years preparing to accidentally <laughs> waste these ones. Yeah, Whoops. Exactly. Rolled the dice badly. Mm-hmm. Like that's – you don't know. You might end up just wasting the whole life for yeah. this period that you never got to enjoy. But that's a good point that the retirement mindset may make us look too far to the got to get everything done now because the future is when I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be happy tomorrow, I promise. But there's never yeah. really – you're never really in tomorrow, so you just keep pushing it off. Well, I was thinking about that this morning. Uh, you know how you talked about like you might do detour after you park somewhere. Yeah. You don't even know. When I think of the most memorable moments in my life, it's been connections with people that I'm friends with or things that were unplanned. Like you and I drove up to that Echo Lake place planning to read books and then we found a hiking trail and just hiked on it for an hour. Yeah. Not even planning that, which that was pretty great. It was. But then when I think about my goals for the future, it's always – well, not always, but a lot of the times it's in service of just pushing arbitrary numbers higher. Just to push them higher. Yeah. You know, oh, we got this many views last week. Now we have to get a better number. Oh, my net worth is this much. I better push it forward. If it goes lower, that means I'm losing. And yet those things don't actually make you happy. And I don't really know if there's a way to make your brain not care about those things. Maybe we're just wired to care about them. Maybe. But I would like to, to carve out more time for the former category. I think it's at least possible to make it like a habit to think less about those things. Yeah. And I'm not like I'm not perfect at all this. The reason I think about this stuff so much is because I do overwhelm myself and become super unhappy with all these goals and future minded. I'm not living up to my past goals or my future goals. What am I doing? Mm -hmm. But then if I stop and think about it, I'm like, wait a second. Actually, it's really cool here in Denver. And if I think about just the present moment, I have a lot to be happy about. But when I think about the past I'm not living up to or the future I haven't reached, suddenly I hate everything. Yeah. So like I only think about this because I need it. Otherwise, I would just feel inadequate for who knows how long until someday it's too late to think about the present. And also I'm super nostalgic about everything all the time. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of a clue because I'm like, wait a second. If I love all these moments, even – some of the most nostalgic parts of my life for me had a really bad or inconvenient undertone, like an injury or something really stressful. Oh, yeah. But then, like, I'm making the most of it somehow. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, I love those times. Yeah. So that kind of makes me think, you know, no matter how bad it is right now, I'm probably going to like this later in some way if I make the most of it. So I should focus on the present, not be that mad about the negative parts, and be happy. It's like this weird paradox where humans constantly think they need the next best thing to be happy but in the moment they can use whatever they have within their limitations to be happy yeah like just very weird don't don't dangle happiness in front of you on a stick yeah because i mean obviously from that metaphor it means you don't reach it Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so i want to ask you about your specific mental progression through meditation maybe contrast it to mine we'll talk about a few different types of meditation and then i want to briefly go over some scientific benefits and end with um, some practical how to start kind of things. We're going to get into scientific benefits. But first, I want to know, like, when you sit down, what are you trying to do 
in your like, mind. What, what you, am I thinking? Are you picturing something? Or are you just trying to think of nothing? Like, what is it exactly for you? And I know the purpose is to be happy, but what is the process mentally? I am okay. So a lot of times I'll meditate with uh, Brain FM on just because I like it, and because having some sort of neutrally music background, it, it helps in the blocking out of other things. And do you use their meditation track? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, and I don't always, sometimes I meditate in silence, but largely I'm trying to kind of just pay attention to my breathing and how all the parts of my body's body feel like, is there any tension? Mm-hmm. Uh, how are, how are those? Is there anything I can do? Sometimes I start the meditation by like stretching my neck okay, or something so that I can get comfortable. And it's largely just focusing on my breath and, or the meditation soundtrack and other thoughts will come in. But I'm more calm at this point, and then I can just be like, oh, that's something I might think about later. But usually when I'm not meditating, if a thought would come in, I become horrified I might forget it and something terrible might happen. Yeah. So then I want to write it down or put it into a system. And then slowly I systematized my whole life, and that and then it was stressful. But when meditating, it's easier to actually – I'm focusing on my breath and saying, no, I'm not going to stop meditating to write that down because if it's really important – I will remember it. I need to trust that I will probably remember things that are important to me at some point. Mm. And it's kind of about seeding control a little bit. And kind of like how you were talking about with the car. The problem is you think you have control over this. Yep. So then you're impatient and hard on yourself. But I'm trying to just focus on my breathing. And when other thoughts come up, I say, well, I can't control all of my thoughts. They just pop in sometimes. What are you going to do? And if I think, what about this thing I failed? Well, Maybe I estimated the time wrong or some other stuff happened. Like I don't have perfect control. So getting back to the present and just focusing on the one thing that I can mildly control, which is being calm in that moment. Okay. So it's not like any sort of I'm not picturing anything visualization or chanting or anything. or anything. You're not even counting breaths or anything like that? No. So yours is just like very it's calm. It's very blank. Sometimes okay. if I do play the shakuhachi first and like improv some little melody, I might – play that in my head and focus on how that melody was. Yeah. But it's about kind of focusing on very, very, very basic things and blocking out all the complicated anxiety-driven thoughts. Mm. Okay. Mine was different and probably – I don't know. I I should probably do it the way you do it or try it that way. So I've been meditating for three days with an app called Headspace and the reason I'm using that is because – when I moved to Denver for about a month and a half, I meditated every day in a different way, which was very difficult for me to do. And I started to dread, but I thought I was, I thought I was doing it because it would help my mental focus. And I think it did. It was just very, very difficult. So I would basically sit cross-legged, which is physically difficult for me to do. And I don't know why, because even when I was figure skating and doing yoga every day, I just never got to the level of flexibility where that is comfortable mm, for me. Maybe maybe a chair or some other position or yeah. the bench would be helpful. I might not be built for it. Who knows? But I would close my eyes. I would set a five-minute timer, and I would just count my breaths and just try to keep focusing on that. And my mind wanders like crazy. And I would just keep trying to bring it back like forcefully. So I would either do that or I would try to visualize myself in some, like, some sort of other place like a forest or – on top of a mountain or something, which is actually kind of cool to do. Oh, yeah. And I'd picture myself like turning my head and like building the visualization past my normal field of view, which it was cool, but it was also still difficult to do. So it was all like intense focus on either my breath or visualizations. 
And for a while, I even like tried box breathing techniques that Navy SEALs do to calm their breathing. And it's very, it was a very disciplined type meditation. Well, it sounds like you're making a success and failure possibility for meditation. That's exactly what I was doing. Which is kind of the opposite. (laughs) Although I will say the visualization thing is cool and I forgot I used to do that a lot. That Yeah, that was really cool. I would just like visualize some like Breath of the Wild scene you, basically. You made it up? It was like I totally a, made it up, yeah. Okay. It was totally made up off the top of my head and I would try to maybe like mentally focus on details I could see in the scene. Okay. Like it was, it was kind of cool but you're right. I was definitely putting success and failure into it. And I downloaded the uh, Headspace app a few days ago and I'm – just doing the free version right now. I haven't subscribed yet, but just the opening meditations have been helpful because the very first thing that he tells you is most people feel like meditation is like a success and failure thing. And that if you let your attention wander, you have to go grab it right now and you have to focus on like a ball of light over your head or something like that. And people just put all this stuff into it. They don't need to do And really what it's about is, like you said, just being aware, being in the moment, and paying attention to your thoughts, and then gently bringing it back when you notice a wandering, and not feeling like you failed because your mind was wandering, because it's going to happen inevitably. So that's been helpful. Um, The opening meditation is like three minutes each, which is good for me. Yeah, they're good good for starting. Yeah. I think they're going to get longer eventually, but at this point, three minutes is perfect, because... I'm building the habit of getting into it. Yeah. And it's nice to know that I can build that habit without having to feel like it's just this chore that I have to succeed at somehow. Yeah. Well, that's that's a useful thing to build the habit first. Although I will say that um, counterintuitively, if anybody tries that and they just like don't get anything out of it forever mm-hmm. at, at a three or five minutes or something, counter uh, it takes me five-ish minutes to even get comfortable and into it. So the first yeah. five minutes, I'm not even – that into the meditation. So if you find that you can't enjoy that for what it is and you're not feeling anything, it may be worth trying longer. Well, I am hoping that when I get into the longer ones, I can still do it and I don't feel like I need to quit. I want to ease into it. Yeah. Because I do believe like we talk about with work, there's the flow threshold where if you have yeah, 15 like goals that. and you do 10 minutes a day per goal, you make no progress because you never get into the work itself. So you have to get past that flow threshold to get into the work. And I think it's probably going to be the same thing with meditation. That, that does sound pretty much like it. So if if you're doing this and you're building the habit and that's useful, but you're like, but it's still not doing anything, maybe wait until you've gotten to the point where that threshold to get into the flow state of meditation yeah. is easy. And then you might start liking it once you make it to longer times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think another thing I need to work on is just accepting that it's going to take the time it takes because I still have an issue with feeling like my morning routine needs to be as compressed as possible so I can immediately get to work. Yeah. Um, When in reality, what I need to do is just procrastinate less and be okay if I start work at eight or nine, you know, and a lot of people are going to have scheduled things that they have to compress their morning routines to deal with. But uh, for me, it's like a self-imposed thing. Yeah. So it's not even like there's, some external class that's starting or, or work that's starting, you know, that I can blame. It's just my brain being my brain. Yeah. So, uh, I do want to kind of explain the reasoning for why I was meditating like that though, before in the past, 
because I do think that there is a use to it. Um, essentially, what we do with our brains physically changes our brains. And you can see this with the way that you interact with smartphones or TVs or computers. When you constantly give yourself access to new and novel things all the time, social media, Snapchat, Reddit, all the stuff, the YouTube homepage even, um, you're essentially training your brain that it can get a new thing right now. And maybe this is what contributes to us thinking we can do 20 things in a day task-wise because we're so used to intaking 20 tweets at a time or watching 20 videos on YouTube at a time. It just piles on. And your brain physically changes in a reaction to the way you're using it. So if you can focus inward on one thing, then your brain will change in reaction to that practice in a way that's more positive to your ability to focus on your tasks or to be in the moment. Okay. So the reason that I was trying to focus on my breath is that I wanted to build that attention muscle in a way where I could focus inwardly on nothing external. So while I do think playing the guitar or walking or cooking is a form of meditation, I'm still focused externally, which is potentially a less efficient exercise for that focus muscle than just counting breaths, something that doesn't have a whole lot of stimuli at all. So, and I, I'm a, guessing that because the, we, we get overstimulated by our environments, basically, yeah. is what you're what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I want to build a stronger mind, essentially. You know, and I think I'm I'm a little more open to the whole just being in the present idea than I was in the past for meditation. But I still think the general or the the most powerful uh, reason for me to do it would be to build that focus muscle. Well, I definitely think that. That is something that you would get from meditation. (laughs) Even if you weren't focusing so hard on that goal, you would probably get it by Mm -hmm. default because I'm finding it easier and easier to like shut down the extra things. Yeah, exactly. Because we we have way too many things, the the internet and all of our time that we need to spend doing 16 million tasks and maintenance things and goals and projects and hobbies and friends and family and sleep and health and food and cooking – like yep. there are too many things in our lives and I'm not – we can't clear them out. That's the way of the world. It, we just have to figure out how to not think about all of them all the time. Yep. Anna showed me this little comic on Facebook. Uh, I think it was this morning. <laughs> this guy's looking at his schedule and it's like there's a sleep block, a work block, a chores block and a friends block and he's holding the video game block but there's no room for it. It's just like, oh, no, there's no room for it unless – and then starts reaching for the sleep block. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, like we're trying to cram so much into the same amount of time that our ancestors had and mm-hmm. they did not do this many things. They yep. probably didn't have the Nintendo Switch probably and like not. the four games that I haven't even started yet that I would have felt guilty about years ago mm-hmm. for not having played and beaten by now. One thing that struck me when I was reading that book that I got yesterday – it said that the great apes, our ancestors, uh, they spend 80% of their day chewing food. That's some mindful eating. I know, right? Because they have to. Also, it's good for your diet. We should be chewing food way more. We should chew all day. Well, our digestive system is going to We can cook no, to digest food easier. I only eat turns raw. Out. Only, only raw vegan. I eat branches. So it takes Just a while branches. to chew them. Oh, well then, yeah, you're probably going to want to start spending 80% of your day. Yeah. Chewing those branches. But 80%, you know. like, is that 80% of their waking hours? Yeah. 
Okay, I it's think, not. It's not like so. it's not like chewing and sleeping and chewing and oh, sleeping. Because wow. at some point they had they have social structures. Yes. Yeah, but I mean they don't have cooking, so they can't break down food in any other way. They have to just chew it. Okay. To break those proteins hmm. down into something that they makes can sense. digest easier. But that just struck me. I was like, man. So they only have twenty percent of their waking hours to do really anything. And we're over here and we can – I think it said we spend 5% of our time eating. So we have 95%. Yeah. You know you know, like the – To fill it. You got a silverback gorilla just like chewing as fast as you can. Like I got to get done. I'm hungry. I got to eat all this food so I can play video games. <laughs> like they, they don't care. They're just like that's how long it takes to eat. Yep. What do so you I'm mean? just going to do it. What are you going to so do? It turns out you can chew while playing video games. That's a good point. Yep. So I mean those gorillas, they have not understood multitasking yet. No. We should introduce them to that. <laughs> we shouldn't. It's bad for them. <laughs> I did see this they hilarious video of a dude at the zoo, and he's just sitting there with a silverback gorilla on the other side of the glass, and he's showing him pictures of female gorillas. <laughs> and the, the gorilla's like, he's like moving his hand, telling him to swipe. <laughs> That's beautiful. He should have handed him. He should have handed him the phone and let him do it. Yeah, he probably should have. Though I don't think. He How'd could you get them in that? Him. How'd you get them in there? Yeah. What, what are they doing in there? Yeah. Tom put all <laughs> my records into this rectangle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about a few of the different types of meditation. And this is by no means at all um, comprehensive. But I did read an article on AsianEfficiency.com that outlined three different kinds, including loving kindness, vipassana, and zazen. Um, so loving kindness, I think all of these come from different sects of Buddhism. And of course there are meditations in Christianity and Judaism and Shinto and anything you can think of. There's meditative practice because it's really just built into the human experience and people connect meditation and contemplation to really anything. Yeah. And it's very, it's a very disciplined thing. So monks of all varieties did things for Mm self-discipline. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so loving kindness is more about seeing the connection between yourself and other people, about keeping your mind open, about developing a more positive and altruistic and selfless mindset, essentially. So this one, you visualize things, you reflect on maybe kind things you've done or positive aspects of somebody you know. Uh, you may even like repeat a mantra in your mind that's more positive. So that's just like focusing on being the kind of person you want to be and then vipassana and zazen they seemed really similar to me because it said vipassana was like complete concentration on the body and all the sensations and focusing on your breath and then zazen was very similar so with my limited research the differences that i noted were in zazen it's a little more strict with how you sit you try to sit in lotus it's usually shorter because of that um yeah but they both focus on the breathing and self-awareness. So I think the kind of meditation that I was doing is more closer to the Zen and Vipassana side. And then yours just seems to be awareness meditation. Yeah. I it mean, doesn't it, seem to it, fit into any kinda, of these three maybe. It kinda, I mean all of those have things that make sense to me and probably have some effect. And I, and yeah. I mean the almost similar to the loving kindness thing when I'm visualizing or when I used to, mm-hmm. I would be outside and I would be just sitting and, and it was like a summer night and I'm just sitting on the somewhere outside meditating and I'm picturing and visualizing that I'm sitting in my friend's driveway in high school. Like I'm going mm-hmm. through a memory that I really appreciate. And then I, yeah. and then I come out of it like, 
I'm glad that was a part of my life. Now I'm going to come back to now. So that's okay. kind of similar to that when I that did that. That sounds like the love and kindness kind. Because I'm just like, I remember how good of a memory that was. Mm-hmm. And and not in like a, I wish I had, today is horrible, but in like a, yeah, that happened kind of a way. Yeah. So I think I've touched on probably all of those at some point. As Recently, I haven't done that as much, but. Yeah, that makes sense. Meditate how you want, man. Uh, I did want to go over some scientific studies or, or some of the health benefits that have been proven scientifically, at least. Okay. Um, one thing I found really interesting is there was a there was a study that did brain scans of Buddhist monks and found that they the region of the brain that was associated with empathy was more pronounced and developed than people who were just beginning a meditation like class. Physically, it yeah, was, like it was physically. a more developed part of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and also after eight weeks of a meditation program, there was a study with uh, some subjects and they found that the gray matter in their brains was more dense in the areas associated with, le- associated with learning and memory, emotional regulation. And then it also decreased gray matter in the amygdala, which is like stress and fear. Like related. stress and fear. Yeah. So, so that was eight weeks? Yeah, it was just eight weeks. That's honestly not a lot of time to no, get a really. significant change in adding to the positive sides of your brain and removing from the really scared a tiger's going to eat me part. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's um, cool. Body-wise, there was decreased blood pressure, um, increased variability of the heartbeat, which I found weird because I'm like, in regular heartbeat, it's a bad I thing. I don't know what that means. But apparently some variability in the heartbeat is actually good for, for efficiently transporting oxygen and CO2 throughout your body. Interesting. Um, now I, so I got a lot of this from a video that was done by ASAP science and I will put that in the show notes. Uh, one thing they did take care to mention is that meditation is not a substitute for medical treatment if you need it or oh, eating healthy. Don't meditate or exercising. your cancer away. Yeah. You can't do that. Just like you can't do faith healing. You can't do meditation healing. Well, actually I'm on the all pineapple diet. Oh Yeah. And I am so strong now. It's fixed everything. That doesn't seem like it's going to work. It's got pineapple protein. You did just remind me I have a whole pineapple in the kitchen that I should cut up and eat. Oh, well, I probably – Pineapple is delicious. But yeah, you can't can't just say meditation is going to fix all of everything. No, it's not. Sometimes you need to go to a doctor. But there there are health benefits to it. And it makes sense because, again, I mean the way that we use our brains affects how our brains are physically structured. One of the most fascinating things that I ever read was the nun study where uh, they autopsied the brains of these nuns who had died. And there was one who was, I think, over 90 years old. And they found tons of Alzheimer's-related decay in her brain. But she had been sharp as a whip up until her death, working basically up until her death, volunteering at the church, doing all these things. And what they found is that basically the process of neuroplasticity, because she'd stayed active and kept learning new things and kept working, her brain basically rewired itself around those areas of uh, decay. Oh, so it rebuilt all the like synapses or whatever. Yeah. So the brain really does change itself and it can can build new pathways. So I think if you commit yourself to continually learning and working, but also maybe doing a practice where you're – taking a break from all the external stimuli and you're focusing on the now and you're letting the stress kind of melt away, that can actually have physical changes to your brain in a positive manner. Hmm. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, Can't wait till I get my powers. Yeah, it's like working out for your brain. And yeah, you are going to get your powers. Yoga flame. Yoga flame, the vegan powers, maybe someday. Who knows? (laughs) All right, so 
to wrap this up, if people want to get started meditating, how do they do it? And I think we could probably offer a few different paths potentially. Okay. Um, well, Headspace seems pretty intro level with its little three minutes. And also it, it, I've, I tried it for the first several just so I could see what it was like. Mm-hmm. And it does seem to explain what they're talking about and try yeah. to get you into the mindset as you do the original practice. So that's mm-hmm. actually pretty immediate and on your smartphone. Yeah, and that's what I'm doing right now. Um, you Don't go out and like think that you can't meditate unless you do all that fancy nonsense I mentioned about a Zabuton and a Zafu or the little yeah. meditation bench or any of these things because you can you should try with whatever you have now because we tend to push off you'd be pushing off the happiness of meditation to the future just like everything else that would be ironic yeah so don't don't <laughs> uh don't be tempted to say I can't do this until I'm ready to commit yeah. to that 7 year walking walkathon isn't that what a lot of people do with sports or exercise, they'll think, oh, I can't ride a bike. I don't have a Lycra vest right well, now. I can't work out because I didn't buy this $400 exercise machine that's inevitably going to be a clothes hanger. Yeah, you know, in like a couple of years. Like, <laughs> like, that's, like, you can meditate now with, with even without headspace. You can meditate with nothing and, mm-hmm. or just some instrumental music or just go outside and listen to, like, um, if you don't have anything – waterfalls or leaves blowing in the wind are really nice. So at the Botanic Gardens, there's an area where I like to read because the waterfall, white noises out, everybody talking. Mm -hmm. And so it'd be a good place to meditate as well. Well, I mean, one thing I'll I'll note about Headspace, it is a very good um, guided introduction to meditation and it has a lot of different tracks, but it does cost money. Yeah. I mean, I haven't subscribed yet, but once I finish the basics one, I'll have to subscribe if I want to keep doing it. Yeah. It's like, seven dollars a month if you do the annual and like thirteen dollars a month if you just do monthly so you could just get a meditation timer yeah and um, i love brain fm's meditation thing but yeah. it also costs money that costs and the money. thing is if if you make it about these products as well once you get to the non-free portions mm-hmm. then you might start feeling like if you don't meditate for a few days oh no i'm wasting all this money on this product and now you, and then you're going to be using meditation to make you unhappy which is oh yeah so paying something and then maybe you don't think you're using it well enough yet it might make you feel guilty so mm-hmm. please just start soon rather than well you don't need yeah. you don't need all this equipment or some nonsense you can just sit on a chair and kind of listen to the air remember how we talked about the three stages of progression in any skill there's like the learning stage where you're just Googling around, reading books. And then there's the buying the equipment stage yeah. where you feel like you've made this quantum leap because you now have all the equipment. I bought this pan and now I'm a chef. Exactly. And then and then there's the final one, which is practice. And that is hard. So people don't do it a lot. So when I went and bought that pan yesterday, I was very uh, deliberate about telling myself the satisfaction is not here until you've cooked your first meal on it. Which I did last oh, night. So that's that's why you were like, I'm going to use it now. There's no. Yep. And it was delicious. Like I, I made some darn good food last night. Yeah, it's not about pan. the tool. It's so, about what you do with it. Exactly. So and you don't need the tool to meditate. Um, I have an app on my phone called Enso, and it's just a simple meditation timer. And I use Enso because it was the first one I found when I put meditation timer into the app store. So we'll link to it, but it isn't the one you need to use. It just is a timer. You could use the timer app on your phone. I just like that Enso has a bell, and it also tracks your meditation progress. Yeah. So it'll say you meditated, you know, two hours over the last 15 days or something like that. 
Um, there's also Calm. That's another app. So that I think costs money, but I know my friend Steve Cam has used Calm rather than Headspace, so I figured I'd mention that. But the other thing is even if you don't want to sit down and count breaths or close your eyes or anything, like we said, you can gain some of the benefits of meditation just by making that commitment to bring your attention to the thing you're doing and not care how long it's going to take. Yeah. Not be constantly worried about, oh, what do I need to do next after this? Just do it until it's done and then move or have a small break and then move on. Yeah. And doing things like that, I find joy in simple things that most people would despise doing like hand washing my dishes. And the Mm -hmm. thing I like about them is when I'm really present minded into hand washing dishes or cleaning or riding my bike somewhere for who knows how long because I'm not paying attention to the clock and that's the point. There is such clarity of purpose yeah. that we normally don't have because what what am I alive for? What am I supposed to do? I don't know. That's a big question. But when I'm cleaning dishes, I think, what am I supposed to do? Well, right now, the answer is work on these dishes and that's mm-hmm. it. There's nothing else. Your purpose is obvious yeah. and you can complete it and you can do it. And that's it's a clarity and calm that we don't normally get. I think that's actually a good way to get work done. And one little – so with dishes specifically – I try to wash most of the dishes while I'm cooking because I really enjoy just being constantly moving and being really efficient while I'm cooking. But one thing I notice is that if there's a bunch of dishes at the end of the night and they're all dirty and we're done eating and everything, it's very depressing to think about washing them. But inevitably, every time when we start doing it, my brain just goes into that mode of this is what I'm doing right now. The task needs to be completed. I know what my purpose is at this moment and it's not bad. So maybe just affirm to yourself that that is the state of mind you're going to be in once you start working. And I don't oh, know, yeah. maybe that would actually make working easier to get into. Maybe because it's it's really easy to, with things like the dishes or work or anything, just kind of dread that you're going to have to do it for twice as long as it will take you to actually do it. Yep. You're just like, I don't, oh, look at all those dishes. I'm going to wait another hour. And then an hour passes and then you look up and, oh, look, they're still there. <laughs> oh, no, I could have been done 40 Oops. minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, just, you know, start it as casual or as intense as you want. Use a tool or don't use a tool. Buy Thai fisherman oh. pants if you want. You know what? On you know? <laughs> on Spotify, there's a, there's a an album that I I like for meditation sometimes. And I only listen to a few songs, but Mm -hmm. it's a traditional like uh, Buddhist meditation music played mostly on Shakuhachi. And I don't remember the name, but it'll be in the show notes. Okay. And so what I liked to do there, I would take one track, like there's a more or less five minute track and a more or less 10 minute track. And I'd make playlists where it's just that track. And at the end of them, they generally have like a single chime or something that lets you know the track is done. Okay. So instead of a violent timer, if, if you wanted music and you just wanted it to naturally pull you out of the music without a separate timer interrupting the music, mm-hmm. that they're like timers in themselves. Oh, cool. Because it's a 10-minute track. You know it's 10 minutes. Yeah. I think there's also those things on YouTube. Oh, and yeah. There's probably yeah. guided meditations Yeah, like there's on plenty of well. stuff. Just use – Use whatever works and be mindful about stuff and don't stress out too much about something that is supposed to reduce stress. <laughs> yeah, like I did. Yeah. So I'm getting better. I'm learning. All right. Well, hopefully you guys found this episode helpful. This is episode 188. So if you want to find the show notes for it, you can go to CIGpodcast.com slash 188 
Or if you're watching this on YouTube, click that link in the description down below and you will find all the things that we linked to and mentioned, all the different tools. Um, I'll link to some of the articles that I use to research this. But in general, just get started. Um, if you want to support this show, one good way to do it is to give us a review over on Apple Podcasts. We have links that tell you exactly how to do it in the show notes for this episode. And uh, reviews help to both bump us up the rankings over on iTunes, but also just tells us what we're doing right and what we can improve on. So thank you so much if you do that. Thank you, as always, for listening in general. And we will see you in next week's episode. Stay cute.